Welcome to I Will Watch Anything Once. I'm your host, Mark David Christensen. Hello, everybody. It's been a while, but that doesn't matter. We've got a great episode for you with a wonderful guest. Before I get to that, I just want to briefly um, talk about three films this year that I have been quite excited, or at least three films that I've seen in the end part of this year that I'm really excited about. First being Steve Jobs. I really walked away from this movie, surprisingly a big fan of it. I thought the writing was superb, the cast was extraordinary just felt like a great play um i was lucky enough to see the movie twice and once with a q a with aaron sorkin that was enjoyable the whole time i was listening to his q a i was just wished kind of the moderator would just kind of like let go and just let aaron sorkin take over he was that charming and fun and entertaining to listen to the second movie would be spotlight the new tom mccarthy film starring michael keaton mark ruffalo and rachel mcadams and the rest of the cast of course is superb it's wonderful writing as well tom mccarthy always for me knocks it out of the park he just makes the everyman such heroes would love to one day be in one of his movies that would be a treat that is top of my list of a director that i would love to work with one day third film a documentary or so it's considered actually a, a concert film the primary instinct directed by david chan it's a it's a concert film it's steven tobolowski probably know him best from playing ned from groundhog day it's him doing live storytelling and the story he tells is wonderful his ability steven tobolowski's ability to tell a story is so wonderful and the story he tell tells is so touching it almost has sort of a magnolia feel at the beginning of it in the sense that there's going to be connections, but it really, it surprises you the whole way, and it's very touching and moving. I highly suggest checking out The Primary Instinct. But enough about what I wish you would go see. I have a great episode for you. This episode was recorded a year ago. A year ago. It references Thanksgiving of last year, 2014. So I'm super excited to finally have it out with my guest, Ben Green. All right, I'm here with Ben Green, and we just watched My Dinner with Andre. Uh, hey, Ben. Hey, dude. <laughs> that movie puts me in such a crazy place. Great. I can't wait. We'll get to that. Um, so I'll do a quick, like, just because you've seen this before, and I have not. What's a quick, like, just a description of, like, what this movie is? Oh, it's all talking. Uh, it's like two hours that just takes place over the course of a dinner. A conversation between Andre Gregory, this director guy, and Wallace Shawn playing himself. And they just talk about uh, what Andre Gregory has been up to in like the few years before the movie and what he's been thinking about and what Wallace Shawn has been thinking about and Wallace Shawn kind of reacting to Andre Gregory and sometimes angrily and... <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, definitely angrily, and then also. So, are they both playing themselves in this? Yeah, okay. Uh, I just exaggerated I'm, versions of exaggerated, themselves. of course. Um, but he'd done like I'm assuming all the things he discussed have actually happened to he, him. Yeah, I think for the most part, oh, it's okay. kind of like it has as that kind of element of a moth or like a storytelling kind of thing. Very these much. Are just real stories I think from both of their lives and I think it was based on a conversation that they actually had over maybe dinner or a number of dinners and then they wrote this play together 
Oh, that's great. Do you know, was it on stage originally before yeah, they filmed it? Yeah, it was. It was on oh, stage. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. That's great. Well, I think when, like, Wallace Shawn was, like, young playwright living in New York just putting up, like, play after play in little theaters. So essentially what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah. It was all real. Uh-huh. Okay. Great. So um, before we get into further discussion of this movie, because there is actually a lot to discuss, and I hope we hit every thought that I went through, probably impossible. But, I hope so. Uh, what, first off, the first question is, why, do you, why did you want me to see this movie? I think because I, I can't think of many other movies that have affected the way I look at the world or like more or put me in such a like weird place at different points in my life, because I think it's... It had I've I've seen it only twice and both times I saw it it like had a big effect on me. Okay. Um and I So think, is today the third time you've yeah, seen it? Yeah, this is the third time I Okay. The, and I, I think actually I originally when I suggested it I, I was only really remembering the first time I saw it, uh when it was kind of inspiring to me. Uh how old it, were you when you first saw it? I was seventeen and I saw it and it was shown by a philosophy professor in philosophy class. Of course class. it was. Uh <laughs> I think it was more inspiring to me then, and uh, I'd forgotten, I think, that the second time I saw it was in college, in my freshman year of college, and kind of sent me into like a little bit of a depression. Really? Uh, I can see how this movie could do that. Because there's a lot of talk about like the meaninglessness of everything, and <laughs> yeah. for some reason, as a freshman, like I kind of bought into it that time and started feeling uh, a little bit nihilistic. Right, I think I think we can all like, or at least there's like a stage in everybody's life where we kind of ex- go. Th- either we fully accept it and just go, life is meaningless, or at least we question, like, is it all meaningless? Uh, yeah, I think it's a normal, very like human thing. I don't know. I mean, people will disagree with me, but like, and I feel like that's why there's religion. That's why there's all these things that we can like go to because it's like. Well, if you think it's meaningless, we'll give you meaning. <laughs> <laughs> the cool thing about the first time I saw it was, you know, I always hated school um, and felt kind of like I was in prison when I was in school. And it was cool to just have this very deep, interesting, sweet movie shown in the middle of the day. And also I was struck because there's a lot of talk in the movie about coincidences. Yeah. Uh, and they talk about the big coincidence talk is about like coincidences that Andre had that had to do with the little prince. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they showed this movie in my philosophy class, it was the day after like a conversation I had had with my then girlfriend where she had brought up The Little Prince and I had never heard of it before. And she like described what The Little Prince was to me. That's uh, insane. And so I had like a weird like Little Prince coincidence with the movie right. when I saw the movie. So it was weird to have like Little Prince be the way they're discussing coincidences. Yeah, that's amazing that you had your own coincidence at the moment that they're talking about coincidences. Yeah. That's – wow. Let's just jump in because this is what that movie just like kind of cracks open. Even though it's just a simple conversation, there are moments in it that are really like either – okay. Here's my first response to this movie was there's either moments in this where I'm like, I feel like I let it become white noise. Yeah. Because Andre's driving me a little crazy. Yeah, with you. <laughs> then there's those moments where I'm like, oh – I get I know what you're talking about because I feel like I've experienced what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's like it's like polarizing to watch a movie like this to go back and forth between like all right, whatever to no, okay. There's a little bit of enlightenment in there. It is really strange. Uh yeah, I I think of like that there's a quote from that play The History Boys where like the best feeling is when somebody describes something that you've never had. Uh, heard anybody else describe before, but it's exactly what you felt. 
Right. I feel like this movie does that a lot. Yeah. Uh, I'm that. also with you that like it feels like almost like it becomes music at some point and I just tone out and or like go on a little uh, like thought tangents in my own head while I'm watching it and get a little bit lost. Oh, there was so many like it's like it's like trying to have you ever tried to meditate? Uh, a little bit. I feel like that is like the hard part about meditation is like you 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 can't quiet yourself. Yeah. So that, yeah, I agree. Like like music where you can kind of like just turn it on and let it kind of seep into the background. This movie has moments where you're just like, yeah, I'm gonna think about other things, and then you're like, wait, I'm watching a movie. Why did I go think about yeah. this? Yeah. And it's like, wait, wait, okay, gotta get catch back up on what they were talking about, and it's like, oh shit. <laughs> but in, in a weird way, that's what they're talking about. And a bigger picture is like that is what they're talking about is his whole concept Andre is talking about is being awake and being asleep is this bigger picture thing. So in a way it's like you got like it's okay if that happens to you maybe during the movie. Yeah. But it also it hits me really hard every time they talk about like they talk a lot about that we go through our lives kind of asleep and we have conversations with people, but we don't say what we directly mean hardly ever and like say kind of more acceptable things to say and end up sounding like weirdos when we do that. And I relate to that so much. It always makes me really like sad when I watch it to realize how much I'm not saying what I want to say in normal conversations. I can totally agree with that and relate to that because this is such a weird movie. Okay, we got a there's a little backstory that uh or just why this movie is being introduced to me right now because right now is like I'm probably like 2 months in seeing a therapist for the first time oh, wow. in my life. So it's like I'm dealing with a whole bunch of stuff like where I go in and talk about like stuff like this. <laughs> On top of that, like, so there's, like, a weirdness right now with that. I'm like, oh, wow, these are just, like, conversations I'm having with either my therapist or people I'm comfortable having it with. Meaning, when I say comfortable, I'll willing to talk to a stranger about this deeper stuff. Um, But it's just who you have it with who's um, willing to listen. Yeah, it seems like a uniquely interesting time to see the movie. Yeah, really. I don't know what it is. It, It really does. In Last Night... We discuss this, and normally I wouldn't discuss this because it's just like whatever. Yeah, everybody gets high, everybody is done. But like last night, I went out with like my Herald team, and I randomly had this this uh, this weed cookie. And I don't do a lot of drugs. I'm very much not like a huge drug dealer or drug dealer <laughs> doer. You're not a huge drug. Dealer. I'm not a huge drug dealer or a doer. But um, I decided to have it last night. It didn't like right after we were finishing drinks, and we were like, we had chosen that we're like, oh, we're gonna go do a jam at TNT as a team because it's gonna be a lot of fun. We like hanging out with each other when we can, and you know, we're a Herald team. We love improv, and so, but I just. For some reason, it was like, great, me, and like me, I did it. I did half the cookie, and then my other friend, Devin, shared it with me. And I, I've, I've had one other time that I was like this high, but I think I still, this was the, the peak of me being ever high. And I was watching this improv show, and I talked to you briefly a little before we watched the movie about this, and I was going through all these crazy, because of course my body's feeling something, like you feel everything, you feel like... This weird, like, the best way to describe it was like electric fog. It's like, great, everything's foggy in a weird way, but I'm completely conscious and everything feels electric. Like, I'm connected, but there's a fog in between everybody and me and the, like, 
And it's like, I'm wearing a fisheye lens the whole time. I can see the whole... It was weird. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I want to do that. I, I think I'd want to do it again in the, like after a period of time has passed. And also in a different circumstance that I kind of like, I'm planning to do it. Because this time I didn't know I was going to get that high. It was just like, let's do this. I have a cookie. And you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But the whole time I was, I was watching this, I was like, I went through the weirdest thought processes of like thinking I had seen this improv set before. Like in a dream. Like a, a, an amazing level of uh, deja vu. At the same time, I told you, I was like, well, then my brain, like, my logic was, if I'm now going through a, a stage of repeating something I've seen before, that means I'm dying in the morning. Like, <laughs> this is the end of my life. Like, essentially, like, I'm duping myself into thinking, like, great, when you die, that classic thing, you you, you see flash in your life. Me, it was like, no, I'm just reliving something <laughs> because I'm on my way out. <laughs> and there was, like, it never was, like, I could have probably, like, panicked and, like, been, like, oh, well, fuck, I'm going to die and freak <laughs> out. I was just like, no, don't freak out, man. There's no reason to freak out. You don't want to freak everybody else out. This might be happening for you, but there's no reason. Just be cool about it. <laughs> like, I'm glad you kept it together. But so weird. I know that's a whole other thing. But coming from that, and you know, and throwing up last night and doing all the stupid shit, but then watching a movie now with you the next morning, still sort of hungover from it, and it's about that. In a yeah. weird way, about connection, about living, and really living. It's like, what? Why? The weird timing, coincidence or not, it's just weird timing. It is weird. And a lot of death talk. A lot of movie. death talk. But, yeah, let's, okay. How do we, how do you tackle this movie? I think we can go topic by topic. I mean, okay. I'm curious, how, how do you feel? Do you feel like you have to be indirect with people? Like, somebody says to you, like, hey, how's it going? Like I'm you, either hiding I'm either hiding that I'm a real I'm I'm either hiding how bad I feel so I just say I'm good pretty or pretty good or I'll just so cuz a lot of times you're constantly saying like oh if I feel shitty I shouldn't bring that out yeah and top and like add to other people's I shouldn't ruin anybody else but oh man we're going to talk a lot about therapy while <laughs> because of this show this movie I've been dealing with that a lot lately about how, oh, like, I've kind of done that for a long period of time. Being very indirect, kind of putting on, like, a mask to be like, I gotta be happy all the time. You know what I mean? Like, you gotta, you gotta see me always happy. Yeah. Then I'll go, like, I can be sad by my own. Now I've reached the point where I'm, like, exhausted with that. <laughs> that, like, I'm now like, no, I gotta just be direct and kind of, like, honest. Like, if I don't like something... Or if I have a different opinion than what other people, instead of, like, trying to do do the safe path, I'm trying to, like, embrace, like, no, doesn't mean, I have to, doesn't mean you're an asshole just because you disagree or you have a different point of view, but you have to be willing to voice that and get the, and instead of getting the happy response that you're used to because you put on a mask of happy, you have to be open to the fact that, like, you're the, you might get a negative response back. I think that's so I, yeah. much. So much. I just I'd really, that. I'd really appreciate that. I think if you, if I said, "How's it going?" and you gave a really real answer of however you were feeling right then, and maybe you're in a bad place, I think I would like that response and hearing that. Um, even though I don't do that myself, like right. I'm also, I also just say either, yeah, things are going great or not good, but it's a joke. Yeah, you kind of um, you throw it out like a bit. Yeah. And Bits I, are safe, <laughs> <laughs> and it, and I am just so uh, self conscious all the time, kind of like trying to figure out what the other person might want to hear or might not want to hear, 
and I cater my answers like to that moment or like what's not acceptable to say uh, I, I don't know how to deal with that those like typical five minute conversations that you have like a lot during your day at all yeah I, I recently um, found an article about introverts that somebody mm-hmm. posted recently and I went through the list and I realized Holy shit! I might be a social person. <laughs> like I like being social, but I'm an introvert, and I just never really like, never took that in before. Yeah. And like one of the biggest ones was like, of a sign for an introvert is like they don't like uh, small talk, but they love in depth conversation. And I was like, oh, that is totally me. <laughs> like I can't stand what we're talking about now. Like being so indirect and just kind of like, yeah, fine. What? <laughs> oh, yep. Weather. Oh, that was really bad. Like I'm yeah. more. I come to life or whatever or like love and feel comfortable when I'm like, great, even though we might be talking about a darker thing or something that's – even if we're talking about a superficial thing, if it has a little more depth to it, I'm way more comfortable than just like, yep, I'm doing well. How are you? you, How was your day? I get real uncomfortable. Absolutely. Which is weird. And uh, one of the things they hit real heavy in this movie – Maybe it was more towards the end, but like when he starts talking about relationships and how to really truly like I've never had a long term relationship, but I say that with a caveat that like I have to remind myself I have. There just haven't been romantic. Uh-huh. Like, no, I've had long relationships. Absolutely. Why do we always have to like for some reason I put myself put him in a category and there's really no need to. But I was like he, uh, this movie just wakes up so many thoughts. But he was talking about like in a relationship how to truly believe like. Being a real relationship was not to like, great, now you have like a full-on connection for the rest of your life and you're getting along so well. It's being in that relationship like, this is mysterious. Like, is this – like even the question of like he's like, is this still a marriage? Yeah. Is this still what it is? And I think those are such scary thoughts even to ask in friendships like that we constantly f- go, is this still a friendship? And it made me wake up to like, oh my god, like I've gone through that. That crises just in small little things where like so you get on a Herald team for example right. and you're with these people for a long period of time and like especially like even like when you get on a new Herald team right away you're like right we're connecting you like I'm having a great fucking time we really kicked it up fast but I find myself in that fear mode where I get to that point where like that sort of will t- anticipate and you'll kind of get back into like where you're, that connection isn't happening right away even though you're seeing these people all the week and you start to get in a fear of like Oh God! Am I still friends with this person? Does he still like me? Does this person this and this? And it's like, yeah, that's true. It's just like anything; it's gonna, it's not gonna be at a constant connective. Yeah, connectivity is not gonna constantly be happening. It's gonna ebb and flow. But there's a weird fear of like, if that connection stops, it means that the relationship has stopped. Right. I, God, I, I just feel I'm like so, we're rewriting I'm this so movie. I'm still trying to figure out like how long can you not see a friend like at all and still have them be like a really good friend because like with a lot of people i feel like uh i might not see them for like six months but i hope there's just like a understanding that i love them and that like maybe circumstances just aren't making it so that we see each other that much uh right then yeah i I mean i have tons of friends back in utah who like I, i will still call best friends i haven't seen them for years talk to them on phone maybe haven't for years they have a different trajectory now in life i'm a i'm 32 and coming up on 32 and single never had a serious relationship some of my best friends now are married 
have kids or on the way to that or owning homes. And I'm like, I get that we have a disconnect, but it's like, I'm probably, if I ran into them, I'd still be able to connect. Yeah. Even though we're so far away from each other and even our, our path. And I think a good friendship is really just, you know, somebody you see at different stages all through your life uh, mm-hmm. and you keep giving and getting from them. I would agree with that, 100%. Right off the bat. So the first, he just started getting – Andre just started getting immediately into, like, his experience of, like – he was like, I'm tired of – I was sick of the theater here. I want – and he, like, asked this weird, like, request of, like, I want people that have like don't speak the same language that aren't really into the theater or are done with the theater to – I'll do a workshop with them that's just this weird – sense organic thing yeah that like in a sense like we're gonna find out what magic in the world is again whatever <laughs> uh i kept thinking that like all right i know there's a part of me goes this is crazy like but i'm like i do improv right and i kept going that's all we do <laughs> when we warm up we're doing exactly what this weird this guy's talking or about. when you're doing an organic opening opening yeah exactly <laughs> or even just organic Weird, you like organic any kind of organic scene. We're doing that for an audience. What this guy's talking about, yeah, and we revere it. Like in this sense, he's like it's this strange thing, and he talks about it. But I'm like, there's nothing that's different from what this guy's talking about than what I do on a weekly basis. <laughs> right. I think he was talking about doing like a theater experience, like out in the woods, yeah. where people just existed with each other, uh, and people weren't speaking the same language, so they did things based on impulse and mm-hmm. would just sing or play uh, or go off into the woods and have sex. Um, and it stayed interesting to them because uh, I think they worked hard to, to make that happen. I think with improv, where improv has gotten boring to me in the past is when I just feel like I'm also just going through the motions or right. kind of asleep on stage or just like, you know, there there is kind of a trance kind of way that you can do improv. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even like just finding the pattern, like if you just follow the pattern in habit, it becomes that. Whereas, like, if you can, re- I don't know. And I feel like this is what all improvisers probably talk about is like when you get down, you're like, what are we really trying to strive? And it's usually just like, I just want to be in the moment. And it's like an exercise. If you can get to that moment, those patterns will happen in a weird way, more organically and out of your control. Right. And you even though like you're hitting them, because you've been trained to do it, you're hitting them without habit it's more just naturally happening which is just a duality and you know i've had long conversations with other improvisers about like well you have to know you have to be in control but to be out of control and it's such a weird <laughs> they talk about in the movie doing an exercise called what is it a bird a, a beehive yeah a beehive. where you just bring a hundred people into a room that don't know each other that right? don't know each other and just let whatever happens happen uh does that have any allure to you like allure to do it, yeah. or I feel like I've I've probably participated a little bit in smaller beehives, or we naturally have beehives, right? Isn't that what like a gathering is? But this was like, but this was like, th- this has some sort of like theatrical right. expectation to it. So, you know, in I'd this be thing, willing to do it, but I don't know how. Right? It's just weird, you know. They talk. It's just they, they talk in this movie a lot about weird theatrical experiences that are like outside of our normal kind of thing of you go to a theater to see a group that's already signed up to be on a stage. This was like people 
a lot more like going out into the woods to do theater. Yeah, or and, meeting somewhere and there's not an audience. It's it's in a weird duality of like although I'm part of this theatrical experience, I'm all I'm not only participant, I'm also an observer at the same time. Yeah. Because there was never a point where they talk about in that beehive where oh there's an audience and there's a performance. It's like all of us are one and then afterwards we go and we just chat about it like we just saw the either you you chat about it like you're just experienced it as an observer and a participant. It's it's yeah yeah. But in a ways we, I can I can break it down and say like that that's sort of how you are in, in improv or any show or at least with improv. I don't I can't think of right now. I haven't done a play in a long time, so I can't really relate to that right now. But as an improviser, it's there is a duality of that because when I'm not in a scene, I'm I'm watching my other teammates do a scene in the sense of plucking from it so I can assist it. Mm-hmm. But also there's these moments where you're just like, I'm just sitting back here watching these guys. Like my last Herald this week, I felt like I was more of an observer than a participant. And I kind of got bat down on myself about it and had to like bring myself back up and realize that this yeah. is going to happen. Don't tell anybody. You're still part of the team who had a successful show. But, there's, but then again, that's kind of part of the contract, right? That I have to observe. I can't always be a participant in what I'm so good. Yeah. My brain is well, like... One thing the movie started me thinking about was just about, you know, I haven't been doing improv at all, you know, mm-hmm. in the last, like, year and a half. It's just a thing that was, like, a part of my life uh, in the same way it is yours. Yeah. Uh, that I sort of dropped because uh, I felt like it was... I wasn't loving it in the same way that I used to. Right. And, and I think I spent a little bit of time doing it just out of a feeling of obligation to keep doing it uh because like you know having having done it for like six years up to that point there was a feeling like uh, i had made a contract with myself to keep doing it right uh, i think this movie's a lot about like the contracts you make to do something and doing them whether or not it's still what works for you right i agree with that like and i think that is very relatable when you come out to la yeah, and anything like anything you pursue, it'll eventually you have like you have to keep quit. I think they keep checking this. Like you kind of, kind of keep you have to check in with yourself. Like, are you st- is this still val? Does this still hold a value to you? Yeah, and there's no and there's no um, there's nothing wrong if something does drop value in you. But for some reason, we do kind of like you said, you kept to it out out of like obligation. And right. it's weird how we can give weight. To things and it's that sleeping thing again. I think that's what you know. I I would go to improv shows and I just would feel like I couldn't pay attention anymore because I was just seeing like the same scenes I had seen a million times and and I was sleeping through shows that I was doing myself. And I I think it's funny that when I've done improv sets like a few times in the last year, when I'm not doing it all the time, I feel so much more alive on stage and it's exciting because it's not a thing I'm doing all the time. Wow, yeah. I think we have to always step back. And when I go to shows, I enjoy them on a higher level because I'm not at shows all the time. That's great. I just, uh, but, but it's funny how just so by like- the nature of doing something all the time and uh, having it go sort of on autopilot, yeah. that's what leads to sometimes sleeping. And it's very hard to – you know, I think I, I – it's my own fault that I didn't challenge myself to stay, stay awake more uh, in those moments, but it's a real challenge to do that. I think it is, and I don't think I think it's a challenge in anything, right? To keep awake for yeah, it, yeah. right? 
Because and keep a, awake in a relationship or a friendship. You yeah, know, because keep half on, the time you hear be, about relationships that kind of break down, it's almost like people just start sleeping through them. That whole concept of being, well, we became too like comfortable. Yeah. And it's like, well, that is because you kind of just let yourself fall asleep and we never check in. Like, Again, I've never been in a serious relationship, but there's plenty of times now where I have to like – you just still have to check in. Like we just become too – uh, what's the word I'm looking complacent? for? Complacent? Complacent, yeah, about anything. This was the first time I've seen this movie having been in a really long-term relationship. The right. last time I saw it, I was, like, I had recently... I think the last time I saw it, I had, like, just broken up with, like, the girlfriend who told me about The Little Prince the first time <laughs> I saw it. Uh, and was just, like, in love with this uh, girl in college who it never happened with. Right. Uh, and then, uh, you know, a year after that, I started dating Madeline. And, like, now I've been dating her for eight years. And I think I, I see it from, like, that perspective of, like, knowing how how it feels to, like, uh, always be... I think everybody, you know, has those moments in any relationship uh, where you go, especially, like, a romantic relationship where you go, like, is this the thing that I want to do for the rest of my life or isn't it? Yeah, uh, and that's like a very scary deci- decision to make. To go, yeah, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to do this for the, my whole life, but it's it's just a weird exercise. That's the one thing I can't even like. Get, I'm like, oh, I'm. There's a part of me that's like, I'm jealous. I don't know what that's like, but at the same time, I'm like, hey, it will happen if it happens. Yeah, I'll get but, my but, chance, you know, and it's different for everybody anyway, right? I was thinking. I heard a great. Uh, this is kind of unrelated to anything, but I think you're right that romantic relationships and friendships are. Like closer than people give them credit for being. Um, yeah. I heard like a great definition of love yesterday. Love is loving someone is having someone you really, 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 really like. Uh, <laughs> I would agree with that. <laughs> like, because the person you you like a lot, you put up with stuff. Like, yeah, you're willing to let even if even if you have to overtly like come out and tell somebody that like I don't like that. You only do that with the people you give a shit about. The people that you, the people you kind of can just write off. You're never gonna be like, you're never gonna bring it up. You're like, just let them keep doing their thing. Right. Yeah, that really is a measure of a friendship. How much are you willing to work through the bad stuff? Right. And, uh, and I've definitely had my moments of like where if you've ha- just in relationships or friendships where you have to like, you make a mistake or you fate, and you have to be like, well, we have to power through it. <laughs> And if you tuck that thing away and you just keep on working with that thing that bothers you for years, uh, it can get to a really creepy place in a friendship. Oh, 100%. Or you just – you stop trusting that person out of a weird uh, route that yeah. you never but never we But with. we have to carry like some of that responsibility. Oh, yeah. It's up to you to, to voice it. I agree. We'll probably come back to heavier stuff, but I want to talk about – there was a part of me that as like a guy that's now like – been like coming in six years in improv kept thinking like i want there to be a straight man in this fucking show right <laughs> that's kind of at least questioning it and they're like we actually sort of get there like there's a long period of time where fucking um what's his name wallace uh yeah wallace sean yeah he just listens for so long yeah where there's a part of me that goes like no somebody why aren't you chiming in <laughs> i think his way of straight manning is like oftentimes that Andre will say like a long crazy story and Wallace Shawn will go like 
Wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like in a way that like kind of communicates that he thinks it's crazy. What? But <laughs> respectful and like I'm gonna keep listening. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he doesn't do a lot of challenging of the insane things. No, he doesn't. And I'm, and I'm not saying it necessarily needs that. There was just a natural impulse on my part of like, and I, and again, I do think it's rooted in improv and that. Um, in my training in comedy, is like I'm just like, no, I want I want you to at least question it, and so he'll keep going, not to shut it down. Because I hate any kind of conversation that becomes. A debate to shut down. That I'm like, Ugh, right. I'm gonna have no more interest. Is there a thing that you especially would have wanted called out? No, I can't think of it. <laughs> I wish I had. I could say, but I don't think. There's were were you feeling that moment? You know, there's like a moment where Andre says, like, just sp- talks about a time he was eating sand in the desert. Well, that, that, uh, I think that yeah, yeah, that's you're, you're right. That dude, moment where he's like, yeah, we just started eating sand and we puked up. That point, he would be like, "That's fucking insane." Like, if like, you were doing the Wallace character in that movie, would you have stopped him and gone, "You ate sand"? I think so. Like, there's a part of it how they're like, "Well, hold on. you ate sand." Yeah, because I think naturally I would do that in life too. Right. I'd stop and be like, well, "Hold on, you ate sand." Like, you all this stuff's been real interesting, but now you're telling me you ate fucking sand. <laughs> like, how did that? In what? Well, how did you get to that point where you ate sand just to throw it up? Right. And what enlightenment did that give you? At least admit to me that that wasn't enlightening. At least admit to me you just got sick and that was a stupid idea. Sounds like it was enlightening to him. <laughs> like, a big part of his Right, evolution. and I was like, how is all of this enlightening? Why isn't any of it just like, that was fucking foolish of me? <laughs> like, I get this other stuff, but why can't you just admit that there's a little bit of foolishness? Yeah. That's exactly, like, yeah, there's a bit of me that just wanted that. But then I also, like... Speaking of the the white noise part, we discussed about how you kind of kind of a lot of it. There was only a couple of moments where Andre really his tone changed. Do you know what I mean? A lot of it mm-hmm. like was kind of like oh, you're kind of just saying this in the same sort of vernacular and the same sort of rhythm, except for the one part where he started talking about his mother in the hospital yeah. and how the doctor came out and was like she's fine when you just and he was mad because he just saw his mother who looked ill and on her deathbed and this doctor was trying to putting on a face of being reassuring like she's getting good and I loved that moment because beside all this stuff that he's talking about being awake and asleep. This moment he was so angry in. Just even recalling it to Wallace, he was so genuinely angry that he was like... And that to me was so raw and so real that I could relate to that. And especially like coming back to my therapy, like me like kind of like lately going through the stages of embracing those moments rather than trying to get away from them. Because right now I think we're in this very big surge of positivity, Mm -hmm. which I'm all for being positive. But I don't like the – if something is negative in your life or something that shitty comes along, this this uh, this weird thing of now we got to push that out and stay positive through it. When I'm like, no, embrace it. it like really feel that – if it's painful, feel it. Uh, yeah. I, you know what I mean? And I think he's hitting on that a little bit there where I'm like, y- y- that moment – you, like in that moment, you were like if you're talking about being awake and asleep, in that moment of you having that anger, you were awake. You were awake, and I'm not saying you have to stay there. Don't, don't. I don't want that. But there's something that's like, in the sense, in the bigger picture, positive out of the fact that you had to experience that anger or that frustration. And we would deal with people completely differently if we knew what they were going through at different times. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, they talk about 
just that it's taboo to bring it up. Uh, but, you know, you... What's that? There's a word uh, that my sister taught me recently. It's something like Sonder. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Joe Saunders. I'm glad that me and you, uh, you read my mind. I was about but, to say Joe Saunders? <laughs> uh, but like Sonder, just the appreciation that everybody's living like their weird complex life uh, so that when you like uh, are about to like <laughs> yell at your waiter for being a horrible waiter. They have uh, something else that you're not aware of. Right. They You don't know who's been up all night in a hospital or right. who had a really scary car crash uh, right. two days earlier. Who knows? You could, they, their boss could be sexually harassing them and you have no clue that they're, they're on like a weird – just on alert. Yeah. And so <laughs> distracted by something. I remember like maybe – Four years ago, my dad got diagnosed with colon cancer, and everything worked out okay. Oh, really, my dad, like, my dad did too. Re- exactly. Did colon your dad cancer? survive? Yeah, my dad survived too. That's really or cool. Mine was prostate. Sorry, but wouldn't but my wouldn't be, but similar. similar. And I, I felt like I remember like going around when that had first happened, and feeling like it had to be a secret, pretty much, uh, or like not really wanting to talk about it with people, and also like not knowing like who could speak to that experience, but it would be. You know, you would just deal with it. So, like, Mm -hmm. if I knew that your dad had gone through something similar, uh, if there was, like, some way to know that, uh, people would deal with each other so differently. Or if these things were less taboo to talk about. I don't know why they were, like, it's funny how so much in this movie that was made 30-ish years ago is still taboo today. Still taboo, still relevant? It's insane. Uh, And when did that, when did everything become so closety? I think it's been going on forever. I think we constantly think we have to constantly remind us that like that things are closety and we have to go open up. I don't think it's something I genuinely don't think it's a new thing. I think we constantly keep telling ourselves it's a new thing that we're closed off. Yeah. And it's like, no, we constantly are closing ourselves off and it's a continually battle or a struggle to be open, I think. Because like the secret everyone fucking lost their mind when the secret came out. Uh-huh. But if you look back and even early Religious practices, it's all the same. It's just saying it differently. It's all about getting in tune with the moment and staying awake, like you said. I don't think it's a new concept. I think it's just a constant struggle of reminding us that this is a a constant. This is not something that just goes away. Yeah. And and there's there's something scary about knowing that that's never going to go away. I'd like to try it out. I'd like to try when people say, how's it going, giving a very real answer. Uh, I have a feeling... Because it's so unusual, you would look like a freak. I hundred percent agree. I feel I've done it a couple. Of, like I felt like lately, I've done it a couple of times with people I'm comfortable with, and you do feel. I feel like a little like a uh, a little ping of guilt sometimes. <laughs> being honest, because you're like, oh, what am I? I'm ruining your fucking day, right? But why? How am I ruining their day by being honest? That's the weird thing. Wouldn't you rather me be honest with you in the end? Uh, yeah, I think I, I would, would hope. It's yeah. Yeah, it's a very weird... But, but really to give it... And I think maybe what happens is you do it a couple of times to test it out and then get bad reactions. But it, <laughs> it might it might have a good reaction somewhere if we kept doing it. Yeah. We might I just d- have to live a full year of radical honesty. Let's... Yeah. <laughs> 2015, radical honesty. <laughs> I want to... I hope I remember to experiment with it a little bit. I'd like to. I mean, I one of the cool things with this, like, with relationship stuff and, like... I've had one of my uh, – I keep talking about therapists because I'm very open about it. That's just how I am. Mm-hmm. But we put a goal like – because I was like in that whole like 
circle of like, oh, why can't I be in a relationship? Why am I so like feeling fucked up in this? Uh, even though probably the reality is I'm not fucked up, but I had to have a goal where I was just I had to ask people about their relationships. Mm. Like, hey, when did you know this person? Like me going like finding the people. I should probably just ask you about this right now because I'm, it's a goal. Is like, when did you know that this person was the person? Like, mm-hmm. how did that relationship work? I'm supposed to ask my brothers. I just haven't seen them yet. Oh, I should have done it on Thanksgiving. I didn't. Oof. <laughs> but I asked, like, this guy named George Barber. I was just like, and he just told me a straight up honest answer. And I was like, that's great to hear that. What is, is that part of your fear is, like, just not knowing whether somebody would be right for you? Yeah, and, and also I, want- I think it's just me having an ideal and thinking that I'll never get to that mm-hmm. and not – I guess it's just not understanding that like it's all different. So I like to – it's you needing – me needing to hear other people's stories. So I realize, oh, there's a story out there for me. It's just I don't know it. I, I mean I, that's a, me at least breaking it apart right now. I have a uh, – you know, I do feel like people should shoot for an ideal. <laughs> I feel like the – one of the best things for me, like, as I figured out how to, like, date people was, like, not being afraid to ask people out who might reject me. Right. Uh, and, like, dropping that thing of, like, having to know that I would get a yes uh, so that I could ask people uh, who I felt like were out of my league but, like, were the people that I did want to be dating. And then getting okay with re- rejection. Right. Those, those are the hardest things to deal with. Oh, I have something i wanted to ask yeah i probably do too i wanted to talk about that waiter i know that's a joke yeah, let's thing, talk about the waiter because this movie essentially is just some pretty simple shots two guys at a table they go through a meal and we stay centered on them but there was this really there's a one the only like the waiter there's a bartender of course and there's a waiter that waiter had some weird moments with this table he did and i'm like we laughed a little bit about it but i'm like they gotta be somewhat purposeful right there's got to be some choice to, like, we're going to edit. Do you think they edited him in per- um, purposely? Or do you think they edited in for breaks that they knew they just needed to cut away so they could make this into an, uh, f- a movie that flows? I mean, I think there's a lot of thinking altogether behind it being a dinner scene. Right. Like, how much, like, a dinner naturally uh, makes for, like, a little theatrical conversation. Mm-hmm. And you have... Uh, easy breaks and like moments to collect yourself and uh you know having different appetizers uh an entree and dessert like nicely sets up like almost an act structure to your meal it's three acts (laughs) perfectly yeah or five acts if you're a fancy restaurant or a fancy play that's true um, or, yeah, if you're a Kubrick, probably you're going to have, like, seven acts. That does have seven acts. I think 2001 Space Odyssey has five or five or seven acts, something. Yeah, I know it definitely has five. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Part of the conversation is just about people playing their different roles right. in life and, you know, how much it's a terrorist when you see a terrorist on TV a terrorist looks like how you expect a terrorist to yeah. look a doctor looks the way a doctor should look and waiters act the way waiters should but that's what and we I, do is like actors in like in this industry we try to play our parts yeah and be like great I like as an actor I feel like oh I gotta constantly be like groomed I have to look a certain way I should act a certain way these things should be in like Workshops and castings and all this should and like getting relationship with casters should all be important. And right. Essentially, it's me just playing a part, doing the things an actor does. Yeah, 
<laughs> so I think maybe that waiter is partially there to just do the things a waiter does. And he does a very good job of like playing the part of a waiter. And he's kind of a weirdo. I mean, but in a way that I think waiters typically like waiters. In, this is a pretty fancy restaurant. This movie is based in. Yeah. Uh, and I think waiters do like typically act a little bit weirder there, or like less like I'm used to them acting. Like I'm more comfortable with like an Applebee's waiter. That's gonna uh, like get down low on with you and be like, hey, how are we all doing tonight? Yeah. yeah, but it feels like there's mistakes that you can make in front of a fancy waiter, and that's the way this waiter feels. Yeah, I can see that. There's a there's a normal like disconnect. Like, Whereas waiters at an Applebee's, I could find myself having a full conversation with them. Uh-huh. Something like this, it feels like they're trying to stay almost like invisible. They're just there to make your, your, your uh, meal pleasant. Yes. And in a sense, that's you could feed that right into what we've talking about the whole movie is it's like are we allowing are we being asleep to this guy yes because <laughs> the, the whole concept of a restaurant is pretty crazy altogether you know uh, uh, it is. <laughs> we're having people serve us yes <laughs> there's a hierarchy that's, that's unspoken if you really think about it. like it it drives me insane when i go to like go out and people like i understand if sh- sh- service is shitty it's shitty but I don't know. I have a weird thing where we, when we become so angry at a waitress for being bad, because there's a there's a disconnect, and I'm like, that person's still a human at your level. That's the disconnect is that she's not a human. You're you're, you're you there to, to do your job for me, and if you yes. do it badly, you've ruined my night. And I'm like, how? <laughs> how the fuck did she ruin our night? <laughs> well, she didn't bring bread. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't check in so many times. It's like we make these rules that are, in a sense, unspoken. There is not a rule book somewhere that you can open up and go, like, when you go out to dinner, this, 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 and this should happen. We set those up, and we don't tell we – don't, we don't sit down and go, hey, waiter, here's my expectations for you. Do you know what I mean? Right. So therefore, how can we be angry when they break those? It, 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 we're ridiculous to be. <laughs> we and in are, turn, we, we also are. don't know the waiter rules of things like how much more you're supposed to tip if you're a party. They, they know what they're expecting. Right. But How many times have you gotten that where they're like they add credulity and we're all like shocked, <laughs> like oh <Yeah>. what? <laughs> it's a crazy world. But just that. Whole, I mean, I think it's crazy that a crazy desire to want to pay people to serve you. I think it's a crazy thing that we wear clothes when you know it, there's no reason for them. Uh, like if it's not hot out, why are we wearing? Or if it's not cold. Why are we wearing clothes? Right. That's weird. We've we do it. a lot of weird things. Yeah. And then we, in our, especially in our society, we look at like other cultures that don't wear clothes and we think they're so abnormal. And you're like, well, no, nah, there's nothing really abnormal. They're not freaking out because they're <laughs> naked. It's just a normal thing. Right. We like we have like now this ingrained thing that like if I see a woman naked, I'm going to go crazy. It's like, <laughs> whoa, now I'm a pervert and I just want to touch everything. <laughs> And it's like, well, there's cultures where they're naked all the time and no one's touching anybody. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's insane. This, I like, I really like a movie like this because this is what it's causing us to do. Even though there's white noise moments in this, there's things that stand out that we go, oh, wait, now what's that going to wake up in yeah. me? I like to be reminded of the absurdity of the world because uh, it's very easy to forget. Yeah. And because uh, we, we put so much stake in it. And, and maybe after thinking about this, I'll be a little bit less angry at my waitress for not bringing my bread. Oh, God. Bring, just bring him his bread. <laughs> I was looking forward to the bread. <laughs> we're, we're talking about I don't even lobster, think they touched I their think. bread in this. And I think uh, they had a bread Really, we should be saying Cheddar Bay Biscuits. 
<laughs> this movie would have been very different than a Red Lobster. Oh God, I'm surprised no one's remade, like, <laughs> attempted to remake this movie. Like, it, some asshole indie director just like I did redid my dinner. Or I'm surprised these guys didn't do like a. It's sometimes surprising that these guys didn't now like try to do. A, a new version of this, yeah, with where they are now. That, like, I'm just. Surprised I, would, that, I would definitely watch that. I would just to see, like, uh, did he? Did, did he hasn't passed away? It's another guy, I think. Wallace Shawn. Yeah, or, I think he's still. Yeah, alive, he's definitely right? alive. Yeah, because he was in he's, a Woody Allen movie a couple of years ago. I remember that. Yeah, he's always playing that dinosaur in Toy Story. That's right. He's the dinosaur. <laughs> a great character too. I can't even think of his name. Probably. I think Dino. it's Rex. Rex. Yeah. Something so simple that I forgot. <laughs> uh, I love the moment in this too. And there's a bit of absurdity to it, which I love because it, it's a it's a conversation I think still relevant. But the way they go about it seems dated. Was the electric blanket conversation? It's and, so funny. And Andre says, uh, "You know, I, I I don't like technology altogether." Off of an electric a, blanket, which is such a funny thing to even regard as technology. Right. Uh, like, th- what year was this made again? Seventy. Uh, it's it's seventies, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, to think that that's the advancement that you're associating with technology, like, that's why I would love a new one and to hear these guys now. I'm like, what about now when we're so locked in oh, on yeah. iPads and computers and our iPhones? Electric blanket seems like a fucking so distant and even archaic now. And they're, they're saying that TV and electric blankets are what is going to make us into robots, which <laughs> yeah. is exactly the word they use. And we've never been more robots than right now. When we literally spend most of our time looking at our robots. Yeah. We're so tapped. We're constantly or, tapped Or in. things that are literally called droids. Yep. <laughs> We're just becoming them. Yeah. That's it, so insane. It was, it was just because you wouldn't go get a blanket or something. And, and it would cause these other disconnects. And I'm just like, wow. Right. I, how far we've come. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm right with them. And they're, you know, what they're saying is that comfort, you know lures you into the autopilot kind of thing and it, it is true that I feel like it's the mo- more uncomfortable times are like when you're visiting a foreign country that you are spiked to wake up I would agree yeah because you're, you're, our comforts make us able like you said I mean I'm just reiterating you're so much more alive on the first day of a job Oh, you, you, yeah, I can think of like when I first moved here and I had a day job, which I, you know, I hated, but the first days I was like, I worked so hard to like almost prove a point. Like, I'll be good. <laughs> you can keep me around. But then as soon as you get comfortable, you're like, meh, I'll get to it when I want to. I'm, uh, you guys aren't doing anything. I'm comfortable now. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you was, yeah, please. uh, I think Wallace Sean talks about in the movie that when you, he used to be a Latin teacher and he would tell people what he did for a living. He would just see them like really, how does he like their eyes roll back in their head? Yeah. (laughs) Like people like lose all respect for him in like a second. Uh, have you ever had like a demeaning job and like had a job that's not fun to tell people you do? Uh, I don't think to that level. I mean, I know that even just moving out to LA, if I ever told people I was moving out to LA to be a writer or to be an actor, people would get like seem unsupportive of that notion i i guess i'm lucky that i have never had like a soup um most of my family was like go for it that's good do you know what i mean like even me coming out to set uh coming out here a family member actually uh sponsored and paying my dues uh-huh so oh, i could come to la and that's immediately great. be sad because i was eligible oh, it was you're still gonna like get some screeners soon oh i can't wait <laughs> you, there's a couple i need to see and they're in there but i don't know if i've ever had like a, a completely maybe like 
I'm trying to think of I I don't remember. That's a what. feeling that I've had, especially like when I've been a PA or a babysitter oh, okay. out here. Uh, those are like two jobs I've done that I feel like you tell people, and the reaction is not good. I can see the PA, yeah, <laughs> a babysitter. It's like they're just like, well, you're not going to get any better than that? maybe it's something I'm putting on myself. Uh, right, I'm just curious. Like, but I feel like the response is like, oh, hang in there. Yeah, I hear you. I, and, well, I and remember not, which where whereas like I would like the response. To the job, it's crazy to think that this would ever be the response to being a babysitter. But when you tell somebody what you do, you want to get a response of like, "How noble!" Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Anything we do, we want to get at least a, we we expect a positive reaction. When we get the negative one, we think we're doing something wrong. When in the end, it's like, who who cares? That's just an honest response. I I feel like I've been on the other side recently. Mm-hmm. I took a lift ride like a couple of weeks ago. I think right before Thanksgiving. And the lady was telling me she was in between jobs, the driver. And as soon as she said what she did, which was working with the farm, like she worked for a pharmaceutical company, and like she would go out and like pitch and get pharmacies to take her pill. Yeah. I think I immediately judged her. I was just like, oh, you look work for those fuckers. Oh. <laughs> but then we, I didn't say anything, but we immediately, then that became part of the conversation was how people judge her for that work. Wow. And I was like, that's very interesting because I'm over here doing that. Now I'm like kind of breaking at, like listening to you talk about that. And I'm like... Well, you're right. You're not completely a horrible person because you work for a company or an organization, a career base that's like that I could associate with bullshit. Right. But it's interesting that we do that. We choose if people are noble or not before we know anything about them. Right. We are. I think we all think of ourselves as being not very judgy, but we might be. Oh, I think we're all judgy. <laughs> I think we're all some level. Can you be without judgment to a full degree? Yeah, it's definitely a thing like I aspire towards. Uh, but no, I think you're right. No, we can't. You can't be. Like, I'm reading this book called, uh, right now, and I wish I could think of the author. It was suggested to me by Jake Jabor, The the Wisdom of Insecurity. Mm-hmm. This is a really good read. And this this doesn't talk about this exactly, but they do, he does talk about how right now, like, a lot of what we pursue is removing uh, discomfort, removing pain. And he talks about how, like, well, then we're doing ourselves a disservice because pain and pleasure come will not be without the other you can't have pleasure and then pain pleasure without pain and vice mm-hmm. versa so if, therefore if you remove both you become void and you just become complete like completely void of any feeling if you that's the only thing you get to yeah. and i think that is what we're kind of talking about Absolutely. is when you fall, when you become completely comfortable, you kind of are doing it in the sake of removing pain. Therefore, you remove pleasure and you're void. And I think that's the same with judgment. In a weird way, we can't if we choose not to be completely judgy to a point where we're like I'm not going to even respond to this thing. That's the only way that's you can without judgment. You would be void because you couldn't be positive or negative. Because therefore, to say you like something and to be have a positive response to it, you yeah. therefore you're judging. You're judging it to have a to judge it to have a good positive experience, like a positive response to it. You're still judging it, right? Yeah, I guess I guess the best uh, thing you can come out with is to judge with an open mind and be ready to be uh, to be like malleable and be ready to have somebody who is a pharmaceutical salesperson uh, change your mind, uh, right? And figure out that oh, well, this person isn't bad. Yeah. For this reason. And yeah. now I learn this new thing. And, and even if you aren't, at least take it in and be like, great, at least I can still judge you if I have the full picture. So my judgment is least, at least my judgment is not ignorant. Uh, I don't yeah, know if that's I think right. That, I think that uh, when we 
first started talking about judgment, I was going into it with sort of that blanket kind of idea of judge not lest ye be judged. Like, all judgment is bad. But that's, I guess you're you're right. That statement is wrong. It should be kind of like judge with open-mindedness and uh, it's okay for other people to judge you too. Yeah, like if you're going to, like, I agree, like, judge with care, and care is like, you better just judge with a full a full perspective. Yeah. I have a rule with when I watch movies that I have to finish them or I can't, or you can't talk shit on them. Yeah. If, or you can't praise them unless you finish the movie. Like, that's why I choose, I've only walked out on two movies in my life. One, I went back and finished it. One, of I never did. But essentially, it's like, well, I didn't finish those movies. If I didn't finish it, I can't say anything about it. Like I hate a lot of like if I watch a trailer I can't be like wow that movie that movie's shit. How do you know? I think that's a great way of thinking. As soon as you do experience something, then you have all the right to dislike it. You have all the right to love it to in whatever degree. I think that's what bothers me when people uh, talk shit about somebody is just when they don't know that person well enough. Yeah, if, like, had, if you if you've experienced them for years and you want to talk shit, hey, be my guest. Right. But and if you're able to talk shit, you should be able to also praise something about them if it's completely equal. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. But, but yeah, you have no right to fully – yeah, we just have to be careful with judgment. Judge not lest ye have taken a very long time to get to know the <laughs> subject ye is judging. <laughs> we've nailed it. We've, we've, we've solved how to, to judge. And now we can start selling these bumper stickers. Oh, God. They're going to be great bumper stickers. <laughs> We're gonna print up. I got a guy. I have my brother. He's in. <laughs> he, he can print wow. them up to probably half price. We'll be great. Really? Yeah, my brother owns That's a sign great. company, so I always go to him at least for try to get a less price. You know, he hooks up family. He hooks we're, up family. We're in business. He's maybe a couple banners just <laughs> for shows. So <laughs> you know what I mean? Me and him are tight. We're brothers. <laughs> literally uh, brothers. Literally <laughs> brothers. But this was a great like watch for this time of my life. I think there's just a lot in there that I was like, wow, like. This is just shit. Guess we're always dealing with, but definitely I feel like coming up on 32, just where I'm at, and like things going well, but also things I'm like, oh, I don't have this yet. It's like good to like watch something that puts you a little like, oh, there's more to everything, and it lets you try to analyze your perspective. Yeah, I'm glad that you got something out of it. I think so because I've heard other like I've heard people talk about this movie and talk about like oh it's just a bunch of boring like uh, pretentious stuff and I'm like. <laughs> One, I'm like, we're all fucking pretentious. <laughs> Stop. Why do we keep saying like we're not? We're all, we all are pretentious in the sense that we all think we know it, and then we just get reminded that we. Yeah, don't. I could never look at that this movie that way. I think if nothing else, it's a bunch of really interesting conversation starters. It made me depressed in college because I think I bought too much into the meaningless, like the part of it where they were right. talking about when you break down the elements of life, things start to feel meaningless, and I kind of did that. Uh, in college and I couldn't find this like second part of the answer of like why things aren't meaningless uh, yeah. now I feel like I have that more so I think it's more fun to watch it but I think we all have that those moments those moments of meaningless they come and go right yeah you can't be you can't experience true awakeness if you're not ever asleep ooh that sounds smart <laughs> it sounds smart I don't think I know it we'll have to watch maybe this movie again or, or read more <laughs> stuff Oh, I want real quick. I want to talk about like it was really interesting, and this, and I don't know if this, it's not, I don't think this is a coincidence or anything magical like this that he talked about. But I, the two books that it brought to mind, there's this book called The Open Door. I can't remember what it's about. It's about this guy experimenting, experimenting with theater, but also Alan Arkin's book. He, um, it's a great read. 
But he talks, he like he would just go on little things like this too. He'd go do these like beehive projects wow. for people, and that reminded me a lot about reading that. And I was like, that's really interesting. And his whole like journey of just getting with these groups that were just like in Indian reservations, just doing people that really aren't associated with theater, you just go out and have these same experiences. And I was like, that's really cool. But I felt like it just remind me of that. Yeah, I'm disappointed that at 28 I haven't done as many uh, being taken out into a field and I haven't uh, either. made to sing. Like, again, we're talking to somebody that had like their first super high experience <laughs> just last night. Like, where I was like, yeah, I've smoked pot and it hasn't really done anything, but last night I was like, hold shit. Uh, yeah. Like, this is, this is what people have told me, like, being high is. And I was like, I, th- I honestly thought I was like, genuinely, it's weird to say that I, like, there was moments where I was like, yeah, I'm going to die. This is my last moments. And then, of course, I'm <laughs> fucking awake today. So we got a lot more to experience. We really do. Awesome, Ben. I, I bet there's more that we could talk about and we didn't hit on. Um, I think we did it all. But I think we did do a lot. I think we really Thank- exhausted it. <laughs> I, you're probably completely right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we could talk for hours more. I would love to, but I'll have you back with some other... <laughs> Thing. I would like that. But this was great, Ben. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, this of was course. really fun. Thank you for listening to I Will Watch Anything Once. If you want more from Ben Green, you can follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Green. And that's spelled G R E E N E. The green has an E at the end. Also, he has a great podcast called On the Cusp, where he interviews up-and-coming performers, writers. He has great guests such as Mary Holland, Paul Welsh, and many more. Also, he has a children's book, which you can order on Amazon.com, called How to Keep Your Helicopter. Um, Check it out. It's a really great read, especially if you have kids or nephews and nieces. The holidays are coming up. Get them this book. If you're liking I Will Watch Anything Once, please um, subscribe, rate, and review. Those reviews get the word out and I get more listeners. As well as you can follow me at Twitter at IWWAO, as well as Tumblr, I will watch anything once.tumblr.com. If you are a listener and you have a, a movie that you think I should watch, um, please email me at I will watch anything once at gmail.com or send me a message on Tumblr. I love to get um, those requests and watch those movies that you are dying for me to see. Thank you again for listening. And remember, if you haven't seen it once, you can't complain. I, was, I had something else to say, but now I totally lost thought. There's so much. Uh, what were you... Oh, God, I hate when I lo- lose train of thought where you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it happens. Um... <laughs> Do you want me to retrace our steps? No. <laughs> we just need to keep going for it. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I, I was just, no, it was just very interesting. Like what kind of, this kind of movie um, does get your. Yeah, 